So welcome to the Long Overdue Podcast. We are here today with um, Chris, and I'm Dawn, and our special guest is Charlotte Canyon, and we are very excited that you're here today with us. Um, Thank you. Mm-hmm. Welcome. When I saw that your name came across, I'm like, that. she sounds very familiar. Who is that? <laughs> and then Chris and, and Denise was like, she's the author that was here. I'm like, oh, yes, I know exactly who that is. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, same girl. So, so you're an author and you're a master gardener. I'm a multitasker. I love it. (laughs) (laughs) So what else do you have under your belt? Well, I have a new book coming out and it's gardening. Oh, is it really? Mm -hmm. That's exciting. Okay. See, and I, that just fits perfect because I did not know that. So you can talk a little bit about your book too. Um, so tell us a little bit about what a master gardener is. A master gardener is the extension of the agri-life. And I'm sure some people may or may not know, but AgriLife started at Texas A&M. Okay. And they have them all over the United States, but not every state in the Union have master gardeners. Oh. It actually started in Seattle. I'll give you a little synopsis. Mm-hmm. It started in Seattle. A county agent could not answer all the questions that were coming in from the populace. Okay. And it happened about the time when... You know, people used to live on farms. Very few lived in the city. People were moving to the cities. And they started having different questions and all. And he wasn't even an expert. He, he knew about farming. Right. So it, it kind of started there about 40 years ago. Wow. And then has propagated to different states. But anyway, Texas A&M has picked up on it. And there's five professors down there that kind of started the master master gardening program but what you do is you have to go through a year of training okay you have to qualify with 140 hours that's 70 hours classroom and 70 hours service okay. and the service is very similar to what i'm doing now i'm mm-hmm. i'm part of the speakers bureau because you know i have no problem with words right <laughs> <laughs> but there are over 42 different programs within our master gardener program that you can get involved in that could be anything from working with nursing homes to build keyhole gardens or raised bed gardens or speaking at a school or we have passing out trees the red bus society gives us three thousand trees and we go to the schools and pass those trees out and we teach the kids about a 20-minute program of mm-hmm. how to plant their tree. And if they get a tree and they live in an apartment and don't have a place, we mm-hmm. tell them, ask the school if you can plant it on their property. So, I mean, very nice. there's just many, many different programs. But you basically, in those 70 hours, mm-hmm. your cram course of what an agent is supposed to learn. So do we learn it all? No, but we're given a lot of resources. Okay. So that's, that's kind of a general idea. We, we're kind of liaison, just like I am here today. Mm-hmm. You don't have the county agent, but you've got a master gardener to kind of be go-between. Very nice. That's exciting. Mm-hmm. Did you know that, Chris? No, I did not. I did not know anything about that. So I knew about master gardeners, but I did not know what it entailed. So that's very interesting. Well, in Texas is one of the largest... Uh, Master Gardener programs. Hmm. Of course, we're a big state. Right. And we've got our state convention this year in College Station, and it's going to be in April. The neatest thing about it is they're going to open up the first 
garden on a rooftop in College Station. And so we'll be one of the first to get to preview it. Oh, how exciting. That's always fascinating to me. I wonder how they do it with like the structure of the building because soil is heavy and then you put water in it and it's even heavier. Well, we had the Kyle Warren Park downtown Dallas that is, you know, they drive under it. That's true. And they mm-hmm. actually, we got to meet the guy that constructed it through my Master Gardener program, and then uh-huh. he constructed it in tunnels. And they're literally, all the trees are in a row. If you ever look at it correctly, they, they go across the widthways. Okay. And mm. they're a, just a tunnel, I guess you'd you'd call it. And uh-huh. But he's got about, I think he said 12 inches of rubber mats that absorb the the moisture because they have to water trees right yeah you know so anyway Mm -hmm. it's it's, you know the same thing it's that can't that tree can't grow down into the (laughs) you know to the to the road so right exactly yeah wow that's fascinating how they can come up with the solutions to all those problems you know you want to use the space that you have available and how do you do that so so just to give a little bit about chris and i Chris is a novice gardener, which means he's not very up on gardening. You don't really garden, right? Zero experience. Are you interested in gardening? (laughs) (laughs) Do you have some pots around the house with plants in them? No. (laughs) No, I kill house plants. Mm, you overwater them. No, or you forget them. I forget to water okay, them because yeah. they're not like cats that bother you when you forget. Yeah. You know. The neat thing about houseplants, though, is you, you can overwater them, so it's either to underwater a houseplant. Sure. No, that's the best thing. And one thing I teach it, and I'll share this with you because you can try it, is I double pot. I tell everyone, double pot their plants. Okay. In other words, if you have a 12-inch pot, mm-hmm. put a 10-inch pot in it, and it insulates it. Against mm. the air conditioning heater, pulling oh, moisture okay. out. And okay. so I'm, I water my house plants once a month. Yeah. In the winter. Oh. Hmm. Okay, I'm trying that. So house plants <laughs> can be low, very low maintenance. They can be very low maintenance, hmm. and you have to decide whether they need a lot of sun or a little sun. Mm-hmm. But if you put them, you know, in the right place, they will thrive. And that. that's where I have struggled because we have solar screens on our house. So you don't get any direct sun or indirect. You you don't even get filtered. You get filtered indirect. It's filtered at and there. You know they have got the eighty and the ninety percent. Ours is the ninety. Gotcha. So it's yeah. They grow, you're, but they don't. You're going to need an ultraviolet light or you know. Oh, heat. you you, you okay. can you can grow them. You know, okay. With the lights. Just have to make some alternative. Right. And African okay. violets are very easy to grow <laughs> in the house, and they don't want sun. They went all filtered, so your your filtered might be good for okay. African violets. Okay, they're really easy to grow. Get a special African violet pot uh-huh. at your garden center, which is a two part pot, because the bottom part holds the reservoir of water. Okay, you never water the pot with the plant in it. Oh. It it actually Sucks absorbs it, it through that pot. Mm. Wow, and they're they're really easy. I'll even bring you one. Oh, you're so sweet. <laughs> <laughs> So, my experience is, I think that I try, but I'm not very successful. I have visions, and yeah. This last fall, I planted tomatoes, and I was so super excited because I actually got a good-sized tomato for the first time that I've ever planted tomatoes in 20 years. So, um, slowly... (laughs) 
I'm coming around. So anyway, that's kind of where our questions may be coming from today for our listeners who um, have questions. And then Charlotte just well, quick, quick question you. for you and your tomato plant. Did you uh-huh. put it in the ground in your yard, or did you put it in a pot? I put it in the ground. Okay, you would probably have been better off in a pot. Interesting. How many plants did you have? I had probably four. Okay, I was going to say, if you want to be a tomato farmer, that's a little different. Mm-hmm. But the number one tomato farmer in Texas, and I can't remember his name. He's a professor from Texas A&M, uh-huh. and he's somewhere down in that area. He has acres but they're all in raised beds. Really? Yes. They're all, I mean, he, like, that's how he grows them. Mm-hmm. One is a raised bed will keep the varmints out of it. Armadillos can't climb up and dig in it. Mm. Okay. It, it keeps, a, a, you know, a certain amount of the varmints out of it. Mm-hmm. And he taught us how you actually plant your little seedling, or he, of course, threatens them from seed, but if you plant a seedling, you put a stake around it and wrap that, um, I'm trying to think of the cloth now, but it's it's a like a uh, same kind of cloth you'd put on the ground uh-huh. to deter. He wraps it around stakes with the little plant in between and leaves it that way until late spring. Okay. When, when the stalk is very established. So now that doesn't harm the strength of the plant. No, it actually makes it stronger. Okay. Because it deters the wind. And, you know, in Texas, we <laughs> have a little wind. That can <laughs> yes. be a deterrent, you know, all the time. <laughs> right. I have to tell you a quick funny story. And this is, uh-huh. well, not quite 100 years ago, but a long time ago when I was well, probably 24 years old, mm-hmm. I wanted tomatoes just like you. Uh-huh. And I bought 12 tomato plants. I became the t- Tomato farmer. I think I probably had 250 tomatoes that year. Wow. And how, how they survived, I'll never know. I think I have a pretty good green thumb. <laughs> they were on the side of the house, between two houses. They were in a 10 by 10 area. Uh-huh. I planted them very close to each other, so they actually stabilized each other. Okay. And for some reason, I got no varmints. Now, that's your biggie. Is you get those hookworms on them. Oh, my goodness. Let me tell you how to start not getting those. Yes, because, you know, my first experience with those, they hiss at you. Yeah, and they're they're ugly. They're about two (laughs) inches long, and they're green. Hissing worms? Yes. And and they have a a horn. Yes, they do. A hook horn on their their head. (laughs) I believe it's on their head. Well, the thing is, is they can eat a three-foot tomato in a day, tomato plant in a day. That's wow. crazy. Okay, so how do we okay, not get those? A, a, a quick way. I mean, there's all kinds of, but I'm trying, I'm try, we're trying to go organic and trying to keep yes. things as natural that actually feed back to the soil, uh-huh. is eggshells. Oh. And now, with that being said, right now, you could put crushed up eggshells uh-huh. around, around that, and you'll laugh when I tell you this, but you put them around each of your tomato plants, even if you have them in a pot, because, you know, worms can climb up this, you know. Yes. And what that does is their tiny little feet are cuts them. Really? So they don't want to walk across the eggshells. It would just like, be like you barefoot walking on a rock road. Yeah. Probably wouldn't feel very good. Well, that's the way it is with them. But what I was getting at is right now we're not having any rain, so it's going to last a while. But if you have rain, you're going to have to redo the eggshells. Okay. And right. the ra- eggshells also provide calcium they for add, the plants, they too. Add calcium right? back, too. And ju- while we're talking about the eggshells, let me add this to it, because I mentioned the African violets uh-huh. earlier. Yeah. I compost in the house with a few with eggshells, uh-huh. and I crush them, 
put them in a jar and cover it with spring water. That water is very good to to put into your African violets. Okay, see, I do that at home, and my husband gets very irritated with me because I have a glass that's next to the sink, and that's where all of our eggshells go. Don't throw any eggshells away. <laughs> well, throw them in your yard. I mean, or in yes. your pot or mix it with your potting soil. I mean, eggshells are phenomenal. Exactly. I mean, they don't go in the trash can is what I meant. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Now, so, yeah. one thing you don't, eggshells are okay around, but you know, you know what you want to put around roses? Bananas. Banana peels. Yes. Yes, the potassium yes. is very good. And you don't even have to bury the banana. Just cut it in little squares and drop yes. it down. Okay, good to know. Because I always wonder that. Sometimes I don't have a lot of time and no, I just throw my banana peel out They there. will actually biodegrade faster because the sun heats them. Okay. Yeah. And while we're talking about that, mm-hmm. the composting I, I think I mentioned earlier. Yeah. I think in our area, we all have a lot of trees. I know I have a lot of trees. And if you don't have trees, go to your neighbors and steal their leaves. I'm, you know, don't steal the tree, but go, mm-hmm. get, go get bags of leaves. And a simple way to compost, if you don't want to build a compost, uh-huh. is take a black bag, collect your leaves, mm-hmm. put them in a sunny spot in your, in your yard, leave the top open, poke holes in the bottom of the bag, and soak those leaves and I'd soak them for four to five days to a week, and you mm-hmm. can use them as and sprinkle them in the top of your beds or the top of your pots, oh. or you can leave it longer. The mm-hmm. longer it lasts, the longer it'll micro-degrade and you get more nutrition. But it's going to biodegrade whether it's on the top of the pot or whether, you know, it's in that bag. Very but, cool. So I've never, I've always wanted to have that kind of a compost pile outside. Um, I tried it once, and my dogs loved it. <laughs> <laughs> Of course. So, you know, not much came out of it. But um, I do the vermicomposting, Mm -hmm. which is with the worms. And I thought I had read somewhere that you have to be careful with the type of leaves. So, like... I'm not an expert on that. Uh And I have everything from a pecan tree, apple tree, crepe myrtles. I just, you know... Now, with the worms, there may be something. Now, do you have red wigglers or... Yes. Okay. Yes, I do. Yeah. Um, I did that until my grandkids lost interest. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and well, and we did that as a program up here, and we're going to do it again oh, this spring. Yes. I think it's super. Yes, we use the um, uh, like two liter bottles, and they get to make their own worm farm. Oh, how cool! And they get to take that. it home. Yes. Yeah. Really I thought they were neat, but I never dreamed when I was an adult I would have worms in my closet. <laughs> <laughs> right? And that's the awesome thing. You get to have them in your house. Yeah. Y- y- it's really best to have them in your house unless you have a garage that's really protected and, you know, you don't have the weather. Because two degrees, the worms won't be happy. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. yeah. That's very true. So with the regular compost, the leaves don't matter then. Just put them out there. The only okay. thing I wouldn't put in there is any conifers, which is which are all of you know your uh, cedar trees. Those you oh. go with because you know they have acidity, but we don't have as much of that as they do in East Texas. Okay, you know that's why their their azaleas and and hibis, all of those do so well down there. Is it's an acidity soil because they've got all oh. those conifers that drop all those needles. Oh, very interesting. Okay, so this kind of, since we're kind of talking about the compost and all that, I have another question about fertilizer, and uh, we have chickens. Uh, Growing up, we always uh, would get fertilizer, and we would put it in the garden in the fall, and then we would plant in the spring. Um, 
so I know that the chicken fertilizer manure is very um, strong. Yes. <laughs> so I, you have to be really careful with it. So mm-hmm. is there a better fertilizer or manure? No, and I would take, use? I love your chicken, but mix it like two to three. In other words, take your, your chicken manure uh-huh. for another like a word <laughs> and put two parts of a really good you know, soil. I'm not going to promote one or the other, but a bag soil. Sure. You can mix it like that, and then you're you're diluting it, and you're not putting. It would be just like, uh, well, almost like pouring gasoline. You know, oh. or if you took 25 vitamins every day for a month, you know, not good. You mm-hmm. wouldn't be not sleeping. You know, and you'd probably kill over. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, so it it you know there's they have a um, you may may or may not heard of this. They have what they call Dino Dirt. Hmm. in Denton because Uh Denton is one of the most progressive cities actually in the United States for recycling oh and uh yeah they and anyway they have this dino dirt and they have it in three levels Mm -hmm. and of course there's a high you know high medium and low we never as master gardeners tell anyone to get the high unless they're going to take it and mix it dilute it a whole lot and put it on acres because it's so potent it will literally burn Burn the roots, yeah, and burn the plant. Wow. So, so if anybody's in Wise County heard about the dino dirt, you know, just be, be cautious careful. with okay. it. You know, really dilute it down. Even even the mild one. Oh, really? Yeah, you have to dilute them all. Okay. Just like a fertilizer, you, you wouldn't. No. You wouldn't grow a plant in just fertilizer. No. So, there are plants I know that do not grow in Texas. For example, the lilac bushes. They don't grow down here. We tried. Yeah, they don't grow. <laughs> but the other thing was um, rhubarb. And I tried to get rhubarb to grow, but it was growing okay, and then I think I over-fertilized it. And you could have. Yeah. And then it died, and yeah. So is that is it possible to grow it? I, I'm pretty sure it isn't, because here's, here's an interesting thing. There's over 200 members of the Denton County Master Gardeners. Okay. And... Actually, we have four or five members from Wise County that come over because y'all don't have a... uh, And as a matter of fact, in Texas, there's probably only 20 counties out of the 100 and however many counties there are that have Master Gardener programs. People go, if they want to join one, they go, you know, to a different one. Okay. Um, But what I was going to say was you can grow just about anything within my Master Gardener. I know people that are growing things that grow in Indiana. Really? Only because they put it in the right spot with the right amount of sun at the right time. I've even had poinsettias on the side of my house blooming all summer long. Really? And they're supposed to bloom at Christmas. Right. And you're supposed to keep them dark, aren't you? Yes. And this is outside. (laughs) What happens is someone will give me a poinsettia and I'll go, okay, you know, it's gone. I'll stick it in the ground and then it comes back up so it it has to do with your soil and literally and this is true for all of north texas Mm -hmm. you may live next door to someone who has better soil than you in certain areas of his yard i mean we have people with you know sandy loam and then they'll have gumbo next door it it texas is just weird but as a general rule in north Mm -hmm. texas you have to pretty much if you want to other than Grass and you still works if you add, amend the soil. In Texas, you have to amend your flower beds. That's why a lot of people are going to the raised beds, especially in in, in their veggie gardens. 
Okay. Especially in their veggie gardens. And I've even gone to raised beds in certain areas just for my splashes of color in my yard. That way I don't have to every year plant a whole border of, say, begonias or something. I plant, mm -hmm. you know, 15 begonias in my triangle, and that's my splash of color, and, you know. Okay. So it may, yeah, makes it easier. My husband did make me a, a raised bed, and we had it for several years. Um, but then we moved it, and we just put it in the ground. Um, and I've been doing that for several years. Have you amended the soil? Well, yes, we've done all kinds of different things. You know, we add all kinds of things to it. And then I, one year, tried to do a lasagna garden. Uh-huh. Yes. Uh -huh. <laughs> we, call it, we call those like the keyhole gardens, kind of. Okay, yeah, yeah. okay. So, which brings an, another question up with the whole composting one of the things I read about is that you really need to layer. Mm -hmm. And I don't have everything. So, um, cardboard, newspaper. I've got those. Twigs. Um, I've got a few of those. Go to the neighbor and when they trim their tree, you know, get their twigs. <laughs> See, and that's the thing. We're in a new neighborhood and we don't have a whole lot of trees. And, you know, somewhere in the country, uh -huh. you know, uh, and sometimes on the side of the road when there's been a windstorm. Uh -huh. in, the, in the just pull it up. Just if you've got a truck, you know, go, you know, big old limb fell off and then then break it up. Okay. And the smaller, the, you know, smaller the twigs are, if they're the size of your finger, they'll uh -huh. biodegrade faster. On a lasagna layering, uh -huh. you need to redo it every two years. And that's from the bottom to top. Totally okay. dig it out and and redo it. Some people, you know, wait three years or whatever, mm -hmm. but that's a general general rule because okay. your paper's going to break down your cardboard, and you know when you get yeah. dig down, you're going to find some of it, but uh, it works better. You have better success with your when you with your veggies. Okay, I did have pumpkins. It was in the fall, so I put the pumpkins. How in there. cool is that? Yeah, I so. bet it was pretty. Um. Well, I don't know about that. <laughs> I mean, you got orange and big green leaves. and <laughs> Right. <laughs> so, Chris, a lasagna garden is where you layer different things, basically like a compost. Sure. It's not that you grow things. I figured it had to do with layers because I know it didn't have anything to do with lasagna. <laughs> right. Well, and the top layer should be anywhere from 12 to 15 inches deep of soil. So mm -hmm. that's where you're planting your stuff your you know your plants and when i mentioned keyhole garden if mm -hmm. if you ever research it and you look at it from a from a what do you call it overhead mm -hmm. it literally has a, if you look at a pie and you take out one wedge mm -hmm. it has that out which looks like an old-fashioned keyhole oh. it actually mm. started in africa and they feed whole villages with it wow. because the center of a keyhole garden and a keyhole garden should only be six foot diameter Okay. And, and they're usually round or, you know, at least close to that shape. Mm -hmm. The center can be made with bamboo or, if you have chicken wire, about a 12 to 15 inch wire cage. Mm -hmm. That's where you compost and that's where you water. Oh. And you stuff it down in there. And, and it's a keyhole because the water all will go out the three foot, uh -huh. you know, from that. And the keyhole allows you to get in right to that cylinder that's in the I middle that idea yeah well anyway they they africa started and we've now brought it over here but it feeds whole tribes wow. wow now is that similar to square foot gardening no 
it's not. It's different than that. Okay. No. I mean, you mentioned a minute ago, you know, lasagna makes me think of also pizza and all. Yes. Is we have one of our master gardeners. She built a keyhole garden, but she divided it into the pizza wedges. Uh-huh. And she had oregano and all the spices uh-huh. that go on top of her pizza. And she called uh-huh. it her pizza. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. That is so cool. Yeah. You can get as creative as you want. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's the fun about gardening mm-hmm. is... You know, there's 200 and some odd members in my my club. Uh-huh. We all look at it different. We all have our specials, and we all, you know, kind of, oh, I want to do it this way, or, you know, oh, what would it look like? So yes, be creative, and that's, that's the whole fun of it. And here's the thing. Mm-hmm. If it doesn't work one year, guess what? Do something different the next year. Yeah. It doesn't hurt anything. That's true. That is very true. Um. I have started doing, uh, well, I'm from Montana initially. Okay. Yes. So that kind of explains me sometimes. You didn't plant a lot in the winter, did you? (laughs) (laughs) No. I remember being out in March shoveling snow and uh, because I was so tired of being inside, I think. (laughs) So I'd go and shovel everything and get that out of my system. But um, so coming down here, you know, the, it's just different. I've lost my train of thought. Well, in Texas, it's different. I mean, this is a different winter than we've had. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes, it is. Very I different. mean, it's, it's so, because I think, what, a year ago, I had things blooming all winter long because we had, what, three days of freezing? Mm-hmm. This year, you know, we've had weeks. Yeah. <laughs> right. And my husband was telling me a week ago when it was two or whatever, three or whatever it was here, uh-huh. we were 10 degrees colder than Fairbanks, Alaska. Yes. <laughs> Are you kidding me? This is not Texas. <laughs> <laughs> right, exactly. That, that's, that's the beauty of gardening. Mm-hmm. You know, is you never know what the season's going to be, so you just, you know, you just kind of flow with it. Yes. And so that's where I was going was the um, the perennials. Um, I would plant annuals and I would plant things that just maybe weren't native here, and I would get frustrated they wouldn't grow. So several years ago, I really started researching Texas plants and what is going to grow. I have some beautiful flower beds, and they bring in the um, the butterflies and the bees mm. and the hummingbirds, and it's like I don't even have to set anything out to feed them. It's right. you know they're just so you have your own butterfly garden that you created. Basically, yeah. Now, did you happen to go to this? I'm also a Texas superstar specialist, and that's another program you have to go to. But you have to go down to College Station, San Antonio to take that course but there is a book out there and I don't know if I have one but anyway I'll get you one okay but it's called Texas Superstar Plants oh they grow in Texas and the the test on them is they have to survive two or three years with the Texas climate and we're talking all of Texas and you think about the panhandle and the gulf but they have to survive and there's five different um testing farms throughout the state of Texas, wow. and if they pass it, mm-hmm. then they get into the Texas Superstar book. And every year, it's a new book. A lot of things carry over, like Lantana. You know, it's a Texas yeah. Superstar plant. Mm-hmm. But that book is very thin. I think it's twenty nine pages. Wow! And it's perennial <laughs> annuals, trees, shrubs. I mean, it's it, it's crazy, but it's a very thin book. But everything in there is guaranteed. Wow. And I say yes. guaranteed. I mean, it, if you plant it in the right place, you treat it right, and you right. water it. I mean, it's just like a you know, a garden center. If they sell you a tree and you don't water it. it right. 
you know, it's not going to make it. So, you know, all, exactly. all the variables have to be there. But these are tried and true. That would be very good to you know, Do you know how many blue bonnet colors there are that Texas A&M has come up with? Well, I know that there's a red, like a fire something. I can't remember what it's called. And then there's the regular, like, blue. But uh, other than that, there's, there's probably a... There's five. Is there a white? There's a white. Okay. There's a pink. There's the blue bonnet. There's a purple. And that's... There's a purple, and they call it Lady Bird Johnson, hmm. uh, blue bonnet. Pretty. And then there's the, let's see, white, pink, purple, and then the, yeah, the red. We it's did. actually a maroon, by the way. It's not red. They call it oh. Aggie maroon. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the Aggies came up with all of these. They propagated, and you know how they do that? No. Have you ever looked out in a field of blue bonnets, and all of a sudden you'll see a different little color? Mm-hmm. They literally, in all their test fields, if they find a odd color out there, they will go dig all of them up, and they have to move them two miles away. Uh-huh. And the reason they move them two miles away is because the color of them is denoted by the bees and the wasp and the butterflies that pollinate. Mm-hmm. Oh. So they move all these whitish pink ones out there, uh-huh. and then they find the whitest one there and move it two miles somewhere else uh-huh. so they can have a field of white ones and a field of pink ones. Hmm. Wow. And it ama- it's amazing. Yeah. yeah. Just FYI, you'll never see an orange one because they're all Aggies. You know, I have a sense of humor. That's good. Okay. So I've been talking a lot about, you know, different vegetables, and we talked a little bit about flowering plants and all that. Um, let's talk about, like, the timing for planting. Is, we're in... Um, well, we're almost to February. Yes. And if you haven't planted your... If you have not put your bulbs in the ground back in November, uh-huh. you're not going to have the the lilacs or the hyacinths or the, the tulips, and you know, the things that come up in your spring that are just the crocus, that are just beautiful. Okay. But there's a way you can cheat the system. There are growers, uh-huh. and your garden centers will have these. They force the bulbs, and you'll find them in little six to eight inch pots uh-huh. with the plants in there. Take those home and plant them at where you want that color. Uh-huh. Just make sure you keep them watered because we're not getting any rain right now. Right. And you will have that beautiful bloom in the next couple of months in the spring oh. and Easter when, you know, we want to see all those little exactly. pretty colors, the yellows and the pinks and the purples. Because that's not that much, that's not very far off. No. No, we're <laughs> right here. Now, if you're, if you're doing bulbs like cannas and those others, mm-hmm. you can put those in the ground now and you will have flowers through the summer. Because they will start coming up in like May and June. Okay. So then you can have those through the summer. And while we're talking about that, let me mm-hmm. add something because this just blew my mind. There, there's some of your flowers that can get two or three feet tall and mm-hmm. you know bushy, or sometimes they get leggy. Yeah. In June every year, if you will cut back your your plants by a third, okay, it will triple your blooms. And do that again in August. What you're doing is that's kind of at the end of that little growing season. Uh And what you're, and even if it has blooms on it, you know, I know everyone says, but it has a flower. I don't want to cut it off. But but if you cut it off, what happens is where there was one stem, you will get three. And where on that one stem had three flowers, you will have nine flowers. So you you will triple your flowers. Plus, do you get a haircut? 
Yes. Okay. Plants <laughs> like to get haircuts too. Okay. So this is a really good rule of thumb is, is in June, mm-hmm. sometime in June, take off a third, and then again in August. And these are these are plants that bloom the whole season. Okay. And, and you know, here in Texas, we have a nine-month season. Yes. You know, we have winter and summer. We, yes. We don't have any other seasons. So, right. <laughs> you know, but those are, those are plants that, as a matter of fact, you were talking about perennials and annuals. You know, moms are not supposed to. I've had moms in my yard for three years that these continue to bloom, but I kept cutting them back. Uh-huh. The root system was, so it just, it was like a new plant. Hmm. Wow. Yeah. That's fascinating. I have, uh, are they narcissus? Narcissus. Uh, that's the bulb, little bulb. Yes, and I planted those years ago. My mom had them back home on the side of our house, and that was, oh, you always knew spring was coming because of those. I cannot get them to grow. Okay, they grow, but they never bloom. It always gets too hot. Before they actually bloom. Before they bloom. And I, would, so. I would do them in a pot. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> you know, if you, if you go to any of the garden centers, and stuff, uh-huh. they will have them in big like dish gardens. And that's okay. where they do, do best. One of the other okay. things, you probably had more moisture in your soil up there than we do in Texas. Yes. And, and depending on, you know, sunshade, like our house in the winter, your front yard may be full sun or full dark, mm-hmm. that will have a lot to do with it. Your mom probably had a more open area where it, the shade didn't, Actually, you know. it probably was more shaded than anything because it was between a shrub row and the house. Yeah. And there was only about, you don't know, six feet or so. Yeah. And a lot of bulbs are very tempered by the cold weather. Mm-hmm. I would say if you have any of those bulbs in the ground this year and they're still viable, uh-huh. they will probably come up because we've had the cold this oh, year okay. that they need. I've planted tulips from in the past, uh-huh. and many years are better than others. Okay. And if we have a warm winter, the tulips are not good. But if we have a cold, so all, all those winter bulbs, mm-hmm. they have to be dormant. That's why sometimes if you buy them in... It, it, say someone's having a one of those fundraisers and you know yes. buy fifty bulbs mm-hmm. and they tell you to put them in the fridge in a brown paper sack. Yes, that's, that's the reason. Okay, because they like to call. Huh. Okay. So we're talking about planting times. Thinking about trees now. Uh, best times to plant are fall and spring. So we still have some time if you were wanting to plant a tree coming up. Yeah, you can still put a tree in. And let me add here, right now is a good time. I I might wait another little, depending on whether we're going to have any more hard freezes. Mm -hmm. But if you're right around freezing, it's okay to go ahead and prune your trees. Okay. Uh, And what we're talking about pruning is is your tools. Mm -hmm. This is a good time to prepare your tools is to clean them. And the best way to clean them is with soapy water with a little bleach in it. Because all those funguses, even with our cold weather, mm-hmm. will survive. And mm-hmm. while I'm mentioning this, I'm notorious. I'm kind of a container gardener, and I told you the little raised beds. I have pots out in my yard. Mm-hmm. What I will do in the, within the next month or so before, say, around the 1st of March, uh-huh. I will move those pots because the bottom of them will have nematodes and eggs from spores that you don't want and diseases and fungus that you don't want to get into your plants. Uh-huh. So that's the reason. And pots that I haven't used that I'm going to use, uh-huh. they will be use soapy water with the bleach in it to kill any fungus that survived over through the winter. And even the two-degree weather, there's a lot of them that survive so wow 
So to clean your tools. And during the season, whether it's your, your little nippers or mm-hmm. whether it's your big, you know, big shears or it's your um, limb clippers, uh-huh. keep, um, I don't want to, but a, bio, um, a bleach type claws mm-hmm. and wipe your tool every time you go to a new bush. Because oh. if you have a fungus or a disease on one plant and you mm-hmm. don't wipe it off, It'll you spread. could carry it and spread it to the next one. Wow. So I keep, I keep you know, a container of those in, in just in my gardening kit. If you had like a bucket and dipped it, would, is that sufficient? Or That's do you sufficient, have to wipe but be sure, okay. be sure you let your tool air dry. Okay. Be sure you let it air dry. And one thing um, I learned a long time ago, I don't always do this, but I, is if you have a bucket of sand, mm-hmm. and this has nothing to do with the fungus and all, but after you let it air dry, if you put your, and because a lot of tools, of course I know they're making plastic now, but are metal, because mm-hmm. the metal lasts longer, if you put them in your sand, they not only keep them dry, mm-hmm. you know, get you just a five-gallon bucket, fill it with sand, and put your tools in it, whether it be your weed whacker or your, you know, your little tools. Yeah. It sharpens them because the sand kind of cleans them off and sharpens the edge. And that's the other thing you need to do right now when you have time. I mean, it's not time to plant. Sharpen your tools. And if you don't know how to sharpen, there's surely someone in the area that does. Okay. There are a lot of master gardeners that know how to sharpen tools. I don't. But But it's a good time. Sharpen your tools. Clean your tools. Clean up your yard. Within the next month, I'm going to say February, because Mm -hmm. we are in Texas. Mm -hmm. Now, if you were up in Montana or wherever you're from, you know, you're going to wait till what, June, May or June? Right. But right now, get your yard ready. Within the next month is when I will clean up my flower beds. I do not cut anything back. I let the leaves lay on my flower beds. I let I even let a, a layer of them lay in my yard and biodegrade for my grass. Okay. And I do not trim back bushes or or when I'm saying when flowering things get tall, I leave it. It 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 helps insulate the ground. Okay. So now about February between February and March, mm-hmm. I will start trimming those down because Within a month or two, we're going to start seeing little green leaves right yes. near the ground. Yep. And that's when you want to have them off by then. Okay. But now's the time because you don't really want to plant a whole lot. Right. You know, and like I say, we're we're in limbo in Texas right now because, okay, are we going to have any more cold weather? You know, today, what is it, 65 out there? Yes. <laughs> and a week ago, it was two. Right. Mm-hmm. And even this morning, it was low, th- uh, mid freezing. Yeah, yeah, we had freezing. You did? Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah, you just never know. So, th- thinking about, like, the vegetables, one of the uh, things that I tried to plant was onions, and that's a bulb. So, I know it's more cold weather and, like, potatoes and some of those things. Mm-hmm. Um, I could never get a potato to, not a potato, an onion to become a bulb. Hmm. They always stayed really small. I might have gotten one maybe about the size of a golf ball. So what could I do to, is it fertilizer? Is well, there, do you know what variety? Here's the thing. There's probably at least 50 to 100 different varieties of onions. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> so if you didn't buy the one that was, you know, like the big onion, uh-huh. you're never going to get the big onion. The other thing is they like their own space. So if they're too close together, 
they won't get as big. Oh. Now, so would they, you container plant those also? No, those would be, I would put those in a raised bed. Raised bed, okay. Mm-hmm. Raised bed or your keyhole, if you, you know, yeah. decided to want to do, you know, keyhole. And they're, they're a pretty much shallow grower. When okay. I say shallow grower, they only have about that much green above the bulb. and I mean, stem before yeah. it comes out of the soil. So they're a shallow. Right. Okay. You know, shallow. And, and any anytime you buy any bulbs, it's going to tell you how deep to, because between the hyacinth and the crocus and the, the you know, the lilies and all those, they're all at a different depth. Yes. Yes. I remember seeing those charts. I think on tulips are about seven inches. So here. Wow. Yeah. That's pretty deep. Okay. So let's talk about um, soil testing. Do Is that really necessary? I think it's necessary for everyone at least every two years. And when you're soil testing, of course, you can get it from the state. Texas A&M does it. You can get it from your AgriLife, your county agent. Mm-hmm. And you need to take soil from like at least three or four different areas in your yard, not just one area. Okay, so, <coughs> excuse me. I was reading the other day. I, I've heard that, that you take it from different areas. But I also read that, like, if you're doing a garden, that you should take handfuls from several different parts, mix that together, and then have that tested. Right, because then they'll okay. give you the pH of the whole the bed. Whole and especially if okay. it's a, a, a garden all in itself, you you will probably turn it over anyway. So you're going to be mixing all of those components together. Yes, okay. So you'll find out the pH of it, the alkaline, or if it's acid, you know, acid, or if it's got too much salt in it. Or it, it's amazing. The report probably has, I'm going to say, somewhere between 15 and 25 different categories. But you really only want to look at two or three. But it, it'll tell you everything. So let me just say, I am not afraid to say that that scares me. <laughs> oh, it, it shouldn't scare you. But it's like I, I don't. I'm not a chemist. But so you don't it, need to be a chemist. Okay. What what you all you need to do is get the little it's a little envelope you get. Uh-huh. And you put your soil in it and uh, now we as when you here's the funny thing when you become a master gardener that's uh-huh. the first thing they give you is they want you to test your soil. They oh. send it to the state. Then they take it to your county agent. They'll analyze it for you. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Or go to the garden center. You know, yeah. you know, there's there's garden centers that they can pretty much analyze and say you need to add this to your soil. You need to add this, and like okay. I said, your next door neighbor is going to be different from yours. It's mm. that's what we are in our Texas, and you know that you know. Back in the day, we were prairie lands. There were no trees. Almost every tree <laughs> in our Texas was brought in. Okay. So, wow. So, you know, that's just changed our, our everything. Yes. That's just <laughs> fascinating. It's fun. It is, and especially when it works out, it's really fun. It's, but it's trial and error. I mean, yeah. some of the best master, even the county agents, you know, they have flubs, they start all over. Even the Texas A&M's, they have a flub, and they'll start <laughs> all over. That, And that's the fun yeah. of it. You know, it's one season, and then, you, you know, you try it again next year. Right. It's something different. So what are, like, the best growers... I mean, can you name like two or three? I mean, obviously, crepe myrtles are really big. Yeah. Um, well, and pecans. Pecans. Pecan trees. But be okay. sure you plant it in the right place. I have to tell you a funny story. Ah. Your people enjoy this. Before I became a master gardener, uh-huh. I thought I had the greenest thumbs in the world. Okay. And my husband says, do you need to join the National Arboretum? They'll send you 10 trees. <laughs> <laughs> they did. 
I got 10 switches in an envelope. Yes. Mm. And a piece of paper, about two inches by four inches, that said, the one with the chartreuse on the bottom is a creek myrtle. The one with the da-da-da-da-da. So they, you know, how these colors. And, of course, two minutes after I had it, the paper was gone and the colors were gone off the trees, and I just went around the yard and stuck these. Uh-huh. I have a 35-foot pecan tree planted where it should not be. Oh, no. And right now I'm fighting a squirrel that loves to live in it. Oh. But, <laughs> But but this pecan tree is probably five foot from the corner of my house and seven foot from the corner of my neighbor's house. Should not be there. Yeah. And apple trees don't really do well, except I had an apple tree that did fabulous. Really? Until the last, I've had it, it was in the ground 12 years. Uh Started producing after about the sixth year. And I've had hundreds of apples every year. Little green apples don't know what their name were because I lost that little piece of paper (laughs) (laughs) but the last two years things with the fruit trees and you were asking about this Mm -hmm. is there's a there's a there's a fire blight which you may have not heard of but it's coming up from the gulf okay and it has hit my apple tree the last two years and it looks so shabby that my apple tree's gone now Mm. I just I got tired of fighting it so what does that look like because I have peach trees and one of them usually produces really good. The other two, um, we might get two peaches off of them. <laughs> okay. They're just a different kind. If fire, fire blight, think about fire. Uh-huh. On the ends of a limb uh-huh. where the leaves, you know, might be, they'll start curling and they almost look like they've been in a lot of heat or the fire. Mm. Okay. Uh-huh. But it's actually a fungus. Mm. It's not even, but it's called fire blight. Because last year they didn't produce. My tree that always produces didn't produce. Yeah. And some of that, like I say, has to do with the season. You may have a really good bumper crop this year because we've had the cold. Yeah. Fruit trees have to have that cold. Okay. They they do like that's how they you know produce except for oranges in Florida but yeah. but if you think about it the northern states have a lot more fruit trees yes, that produce do. than we do in Texas now our pecans do great you know yeah. this is one of the I think this is one of the top pecan capitals of the state of Texas okay. is Wise County. There really? are a lot of pecan orchards here in, in yes, West County. Yes, you see them. Yes, you know, just yes. I, I'm, I think I remember that in a class, but please don't quote me on that. But it's one of the top producers of pecans. That's cool. Yeah. And, uh, while we're talking about trees and shrubs and all, and I know this is not uh, kind of a little bit off the subject, mm-hmm. but I went to a wine class and went to okay. a wine vineyard, mm-hmm. found out that the grapes grown in Texas that, you know, there are, I think there's 27 different wine vineyards, but all the grapes are grown in the panhandle because they have to have that cold. Mm -hmm. Oh. Yeah, in the mornings and in the evenings. I just thought that was kind of of fascinating. Although when I went to the um, Texas uh, Superstar, they gave me a grapevine. And what they did was we were from all over the state. Mm -hmm. I actually... I'm only one of two Texas Superstar Specialists in this North Texas area. A lot of them were wow. from Southern. But anyway, uh-huh. they gave us plants, and they wanted us to test them in our areas. I still have a grapevine. I haven't seen any grapes on it, uh-huh. but it's, it's a beautiful vine. I have it on a trellis in my yard. Yes, because I've heard that grapes don't grow well here. I mean, Because in this they zone. have the cold. 
Okay. Next year, I may get some grapes because yeah. we're going to That'll yeah. be interesting to hear. You'll have to let me know. No, I'll t- I've taken pictures. I'll yeah. show you. Yeah. Anyway, it's just kind of fascinating. Yeah. I've got blackberries. <gasps> oh, yeah. Those are good. That's all, there's always something about going out and picking your own and just, you know. I had blackberries on a farm here and um, had three teenagers, and the blackberries never made it to the house. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Somehow they would be eaten on the way. Mom, we got ten. <laughs> <laughs> you can't do anything. We had the birds and, you know, the yeah. varmints, yes. But it, but it was fun. Yeah, exactly. That's what it is. Most of it is just, it's fun. You know, for me, and then it's educational for my son and, you know, that kind of stuff. So, anyway, is there any other burning information that you would like to share with us? Burning information. What about, like, materials? We've got a lot of books here at the library that can be checked out, um, like online resources. The the Texas A&M. AgriLife is a fabulous resource, and I'm going to tell you one other that you won't believe, but Indiana University has really? a great, great website. Okay. Um, I learned that at, you know, going through Master Gardeners, they were one of the others that had a fabulous website. Um, a lot of the agri schools, and, you know, we've got Texas Tech out here and Tarleton and all those, mm-hmm. they more deal with, you know, ranch, cattle. Yes, okay grasses you know in in that area mm-hmm. uh, so it's kind of nice when you have schools that do cater to the urban people that live in the cities and right you know uh, have smaller yards have smaller yards yeah yeah and that's kind of how like i say master gardener started was when people started moving in they had smaller yards they wanted to have pretty yards but didn't know what they needed to do yeah well, and I, I have gone on the um, AgriLife Extension for Wise County, um, and they have some great information. I just printed off a couple uh, onions and fertilizing and composting, and they're titled Easy Gardening, so just glancing through them, they just seem to be very easy and user-friendly. Yeah. So. Oh, yeah. Oh, you were asking about trees. I just thought of one that's just gorgeous in this area. Now, we love crepe myrtles. Mm-hmm. But yes. Vitex is absolutely gorgeous, has a purple bloom on it, and it's very hardy to Texas. Really? Um, V-I-T-E-X. And I forgot my question. Is it like a crepe myrtle? Is it, what does it look it's like? It's actually a little more etherical. Okay. You know, crepe myrtles more, grow more structured, tree-like. Mm-hmm. A Vitex has actually a little more free form to it. Okay. And it can be kept in a four-foot four shrub-type area. Oh, they're, they're just gorgeous. Yeah. If you drive around, you'll probably see some, and you didn't know what this that what, what they were in gates. A lot of people do them at their entrances okay. of farms and stuff because they're just gorgeous. Yeah. But you can make a tree out of them. It's just like a crepe myrtle. When they come out, uh, and I'm just going to give this quick little lesson, crepe myrtles will put off... You know, you you have one stalk when you first, but then it'll have two or three or four or five or whatever. You need to pick three main trunks. Get rid of the others. Okay. And let it have those three because you don't want them rubbing each other and all of this. Well, yes. Vitex is going to have one, but then, like I said, it's very etherical. Oh. So. We'll have to look that one up. Yeah. Add that one to look, my landscape. Look up a Vitex. <laughs> They're beautiful. And they need sun. They love full sun. Okay. I can do that. 
That's yeah. easy at my house. Yeah, and redbuds, you know, do good in this area. Yes, I've got a couple of those. Yeah. I think we've got an Oklahoma and a Texas. Did you know that uh, Denton County is the redbud capital of Texas? I did not know that. Would you like to know why? Why? Texas Women's University back, I'm going to say in the 40s, 50s, because it's one of the oldest campuses in Texas, uh -huh. they wanted to beautify their campus. They went out and bought four thousand redbud trees now are they all still there probably not yeah but that gave them Enough. gave us that they are redbud capital so we have a redbud festival really <laughs> i did not know that oh yeah it's in the spring i'll let you know when it is it's just <laughs> okay. it's, it's it's fun and that's when we that's i cool. think i mentioned earlier that we go to the schools and give away redbuds okay to the students that's so of course, cool. they're a twig, but they, right. you know, they're mm -hmm. still a, they, they're actually these are bare roots, so they they have a little bit of a root on them. Okay, mm -hmm. and the red buds are pretty because they bloom in the spring. They bloom a beautiful and their hot leaves, pink. Yes, and, and their leaves are heart shaped. Yes, and they change colors. That's one of the things I do when I go to the schools. Is I have taken I take get four kids out of the deal and I show uh. what the four seasons look like. Oh, on, on, a, on a, you know, yeah, uh, of the red buds because they have four distinct different looks. Yes, of course, one do. is bare, one has the pink, one has the, the you know, the uh, green. You know, yeah, it, it's just really cool. They, they get a kick out of it, and it's one of our short trees. Yes, thirty foot tall is usually a max for, and that's a short tree. A tall tree would be anywhere from seventy five to eighty five feet. Wow, I would you, love to get those, one. Uh, well, yeah. I would love to get mine that tall. <laughs> we'll see working on it yeah. oh it's a good time to clean out your greenhouse okay and and same thing is um if you're going to grow seedlings in it mm -hmm. you need to scrub it as well because funguses and diseases have incubated over the winter okay and you don't want them to get into your seedlings that makes sense and just a quick quick idea if you want to start seedlings you can actually start them in your uh, utility room put them on your dryer mm. and oh. have have a, a damp towel underneath them uh-huh and the moisture will help those seeds propagate and grow so that's a good place wow. to start and another little quick thing if you plant early mm -hmm. in your yard even even your tomato plants you could do this or peppers or whatever if you have your little seedling take a liter bottle cut mm -hmm. the bottom of it off leave the cap on okay and put it in the ground over your little seedling and when the weather's warm take the lid off and you know and let the moisture out. but if you see a freeze coming you put the lid back on oh. until it gets fills up that and liter bottle then you take it off and it's it's strong and sturdy and that is enough to keep it from freezing that's amazing. It puts out off its own osmosis, so it yeah. heats up its little area. Now, if no. it's two degrees, but you know, <laughs> that's not Texas norm. No, it's not. <laughs> Normally, we have you know a thirty. Mm -hmm. You know, yes. In the spring, we'll have a thirty or you know something like that. Mm -hmm. And what I'm talking about is like in late February when you start planting your seedlings, and then we have that Easter freeze. Yes, which will be around thirty. Mm -hmm. Those liter bottles are perfect. Okay. Very cool. That's good to know. And that's a little project your people here. It's you might could do with your uh, kids here. Yes, I was actually thinking um, you could use the bottom as the pot if you cut it a little different. Oh, mm -hmm. we sure could do that. Hmm. I'm thinking we have our reading garden 
out there. My concern is like how much sun everything gets Mm -hmm. and uh, what we can plant where. But there are a couple places that there's room to plant. So Mm -hmm. we would have to... I'll have to look at it. Yeah, I would love your, your thoughts on that and see what we could do. Your consultation. I would love, love to have it. <laughs> <laughs> so. And I'm going to get both of you, even even, even Chris, Texas Superstar book. Okay. Because it's real. I have actually checked with the AgriLife here, and they don't have them. I don't know if it's because she's not. I don't know. Yeah. But I've checked with them. So, But I, since I'm a Texas Superstar, I keep a supply of them. Okay. Okay. Cool. I like cool. to say I'm one of the few that goes around and speaks on Texas Superstar. I have a PowerPoint that I... You know, get Very one Texas cool. Superstar plants. Yeah, and it's it's they're beautiful. I mean, beautiful plants. Yes, and I if they live, that. they are beautiful. Right? Exactly, <laughs> and any plant that lives, it's beautiful. Right, <laughs> and they really are less work. I mean, you're not having to be out there watering them all the time, and you know, they're sustainable. Yes, mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. All right, so that is our podcast for today so thank you charlotte for thank visiting you us very much for inviting me thank you and uh, fun. chris thank you for being here and helping out <laughs> we love your smile right that's right <laughs> so all right all right that's cool it deal. for today yeah